Are you seeking to broaden your horizons, to stay relevant, and become future fit? Do you want to fuel your creativity and inspire innovation? Or are you seeking to put the kapow back in your business? Then look no further. Join Carmen Murray, entrepreneur, innovator, and tech fundy with her big personality and presentation style as she interviews celebrities, alchemists, newsmakers, and business experts to discover the stories behind their success. The Carmen Murray Show has been designed to open your mind and turn intelligence into magic. Let knowledge be your superpower. Ariana Huffington, fearlessness is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. Melinda Gates says that a woman with a voice is by definition a strong woman. But the search to find that voice can be remarkably difficult. As we commemorate Women's Month and pay tribute to all the women, our history, those who have fought for us, and we are privileged to have four wonderful fearless women that we will interview this month that will give us a masterclass on what it means to them to be fearless. Today, we have Mandy Wiener in the house. Welcome, Mandy. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Mandy is an award-winning investigative journalist and author who have been reporting on crime in South Africa for the past decade, and she's really creating waves. And um, of all people, she knows what it means to be fearless. So, Mandy, I want to open up our conversation, and I think let's strip the titles. And let's say, okay, if you weren't an author, you didn't write any books, who are you? What's your story? And how did you become who you are today? Sure. Um, it's such a, such a big question. That. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if, if I wasn't an author or, or a journalist, I suppose I would be most defined by the fact that I'm a mother and a, and a wife. Um, you know, I think that's, that's who I am and a, and a daughter and a sister. Um, and, and I suppose that's what defines me as, as a person. Um, but I think that to a large degree, I am defined by my career. Mm. Um, you know, if people meet me, it's, uh, that's how they identify with, um, you know, they identify me as being a journalist or, or being an author. Um, you know, so, so I think it's very hard to strip away the titles because, um, you know, that is so often what, what people go to first mm. um but uh, at heart um uh, i don't think anybody really knows exactly who who they are um necessarily i think it's a constant journey of uh, of discovery mm. and uh, wh what does it mean to you to be fearless because i mean we we watch you and and the interviews that you have um really takes a lot of courage so what does it mean to you to be fearless? I find it completely bizarre that you think I'm fearless. Like really? whenever people say to me, oh, you must be so brave or fearless or courageous, you know, that doesn't, I don't factor that into, into account. I don't do things because I think, well, today I'm going to put on my big girl panties and go out there and <laughs> be fearless. You know, I, it's just, it's what I do. Um, and, and the irony is that, you know, if a guy was doing this job, there's no way that people would say, oh, you're so fearless. You've That's gone so and true. interviewed um, gangsters or, or criminals. I think it's the fact that I'm a woman that people think that it's so, it's so fearless and courageous what mm. I do. I think, I think also the, the most um, important thing is, is what I've really noticed about you is 
you 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 really go out there to to ask questions you question everything and i think that is a skill in itself and and i think that we as women and i'm one of them i mean i i, I spoke to you about that i tend to sometimes believe sometimes what i read um yeah. not investigating that and what is the the secrets behind um you know being being investigative around all the information that you find there is so much out there i think that journalists are inherently cynical yeah um you know we don't take anything at face value we don't believe anyone we are always um, dubious about whatever's told to us, and, and that's why we interrogate everything. Um, so even if I'm having a conversation with you in my personal capacity, I'm always thinking about the backstory or alternatives. What does this mean? Why? Mm. You know, trying to remember bits and pieces. And we always ask questions, and I'm, I'm just curious by nature. And often I just don't like talking. So I don't particularly enjoy talking about myself. I'd rather I'm more of a listener. So I'll ask questions so that you can speak so that I don't have to talk. <laughs> okay. We will try and shift that to a different direction. Um, so I want to talk to you about um, currently what's happening, um, you know, in the digital universe and these movements that's happening in society. Um, we are seeing a lot of people, um, you know, questioning what's ha- happened in the past. And um, we see it, the Me Too that's happened, fairness first, gender equality, all of that. What's your views on that? I think it's probably long overdue. Mm. Um, and I think that you've got to also remember the role of journalism in all of it. Um, the Me Too movement came about because of, of really good investigative journalism. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at, at how the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, yes. um, it was the persistence of investigative journalists who had been hearing these stories and had started pursuing them. And despite, you know, his, his fiercest attempts to shut them up, um, they persisted and they got people to talk. Um, and it was through, through that that other women were given courage mm. to, to come forward. So, so that's very important for me is to remember the fact that um, the Me Too campaign was that the catalyst was investigative journalists and the stories that were mm. done um, in the New Yorker and, you know, all, all, all of that. Um, so that, that's absolutely crucial. Um, and it's been incredible to watch the momentum mm. um, as a result of that. You know, you dream about stories as a journalist that's, that will change the world, that you'll do a story one day that will mm. spark a revolution mm. um, in that kind of way. And for the journalist to do that it must be amazing absolutely and i mean if you look um the media has been under a lot of um, scrutiny with the whole donald donald trump move mm. uh, movement uh, fake news what what is your view on that because you know now what's happening is is like everybody when they hear something they don't like they call it out as fake news and nobody's trusting like cnn yeah. or those kind of sources what is your view and take on that uh, you know it's a default position it's very easy to just shout fake news and say it's not Correct. true um because it's become like this um you know touch phrase um but having said that there is a lot of fake news out there Mm. Um, and I get very frustrated when the the public isn't discerning enough um, because it's up to every man and woman out there to um, to be a little bit more educated and to to be a bit more discerning and to know how to identify fake news Mm. so if you see an article that looks like it's probably not true then it's probably not true Mm. and if it comes from a website that is not news 24 but rather news 24.4 you know, you got to look out for things like that, that it's, um, it's actually a fake website um, posing as, as a legitimate one. Um, you know, so people need to actually be more responsible and don't share things on Facebook if mm. you haven't verified them. Yeah. Because then all you're doing is, is giving it, you know, more impetus. Yeah. I mean, like recently, actually, um, just to, to go off, off track now, um, I actually saw a, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was um, some production company, a news a news company that was publicizing uh, a news article and actually it was fake. The whole source was yes, fake. Yeah. And I was like, it's such a dangerous thing to do. 
um, in this current state. Which is why, as journalists, you need to be so thorough yeah. um, and double-check and triple-check and make sure that you've got sources, uh, especially in the age of social media. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we've learned the hard way, you know, that, that you get things wrong in the race to be first rather than the race to be right. Um, and over time, we've learned that it's better to be right than to be first. I mean, we've killed off presidents um, on, yes. on, on social media because we've been in such a hurry to do it. Um, and the problem is that once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't put it back in again. Um, you can delete the tweet, but it goes viral so quickly. Yeah. So currently in South Africa, we're rebuilding and going through a restoration period with everything that's happened. And this is what you uncover in your book. Maybe take us through your book and take us through some of the highlights. So my book is called Ministry of Crime, and it's an underworld explored. And, and what I look at is... Uh, Two parallel stories, really. The one is the story of the criminal underworld, um, of of basically from the Kebel murder to Radovan Kreitscher, this Czech fugitive arriving in the country and setting up shop, to what's going on in Cape Town at the moment with Nafiz Modak and, and Mark Liffman. Um, and I tell that story in parallel with the destruction of the criminal justice system over the last 10 years and how SARS and IPID and the NPA and the Hawks have all been uh, deliberately hollowed out. Um, and those two stories run run in parallel as to how the the criminal justice system was declining, the criminal underworld was um, in in growth and was flourishing. Um, so, and the way that I try to do it is by doing as many interviews as possible. So I've interviewed as many police generals and gangsters and mafia types and and you know kind of businessmen, self defined as as I could speak to to try and you know, colour that narrative as much as I could. Fascinating. And did you find it hard to get these interviews or was it, how, how, do, how do they trust you with this information? Some of it was just persistence. So it's following up and following up and sending messages and emails and phone calls and building relationships over a long period of time. Some of it was reputation. So I would phone someone up and they'd go, oh, I've read your previous book. Sure, I'll speak to you. So it depends. You know, some of them were very easy. Some of them were were challenged. Some of them I didn't get. Um, You know, so it all depends on on who the individual was. I think a lot of it comes down to to reputation. So the fact that I've done other interviews Mm. in the past with other people um, kind of gives me street cred so that other people talk to me i love that and you know i think also the most most fascinating thing is that um people really give you all of the information that you can tell the truth and if if i may may ask you what is your intention by writing these kind of books Uh, you know i've thought a lot about this about what my intention is um look some of it is um you know the 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 pursuit of justice Mm. um and about educating people you know i want people to uh to read the book and to really understand uh what's going on in the country so that they can be more aware so that we don't allow the system to repeat itself again um because we have in the past um had a national police commissioner who was corrupt um we should have learned our lesson after the whole jackie salibi delegliotti affair and we didn't we allowed it to repeat itself again Uh, and now we're going to allow ourselves to repeat it again so we need to make sure that we're aware so we can be active citizens um, so that we can ensure that that government is held to account um, and also I think I write it for, for personal reasons, you know, it's, I find it interesting um, you know, I, I suppose it's some of it is also self-gratifying to see your name on a on a book cover you know, <laughs> oh, that's yes. the honest truth, you know <laughs> and always like a top 10 <laughs> but um, yeah I, which I don't take for granted by, no. by any means, you know, it's it's tough in the in the book industry at the moment. So, um, you know, it's it's amazing when you see people buying your books. How do you 
put a story together when 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 you all you do is investigating how do you get it to flow um you know because it's like you you're moving from one story connects to the other and this one connects to that one how do you bring it all together this was particularly difficult because there's so many narrative threads that i had mm. to weave together and and it can be quite confusing for people because there's so many different characters and narratives and players and some people do get confused um but i've tried to make it as simple as possible and, and lay it out so that you know you, you might have um heard a news story on the radio about um Lolly Jackson, you might have heard one about Richard and Bluely, but you don't know how they all fit together, Clitus Breitenbach or Kreacher. Uh, and what I tried to do is put all of those different pieces of the puzzle together so that if you look at it globally, you know, you look at the whole picture, you understand far better what's going on in the justice system. We are sitting here with Mandy Wiener that's talking about us, what it means to be a fearless woman. And we're just talking about her book, The Ministry of Crime. And Mandy, welcome back. Very interesting conversation. I would really like to start um, unpacking with you. You know, what lessons can you can you provide to women in order for them to embrace um, who they are and and to be more fearless in in, in what they do? Uh, you know, I think that um, maybe <laughs> my approach to it is maybe not <laughs> not giving as much thought to to being fearless and and courageous. You know, I think that it doesn't need to be like this cognitive process that you go through. Mm. Um, it needs to come naturally. So it's quite hard to um, to embolden somebody. You know, it's it, I think a lot of it comes with confidence. Mm. Um, that you know, it's the whole Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours yes. thing. Yes. You know that you've got to believe that that you know you've done your time. You're the best possible person to to do it, and I, I suppose it's borderline arrogance, confidence. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that that's what makes people fearless is to think that you actually are the best person to do this job right now. Mm. Um, and obviously, you go through through times as an author where there's lots of self doubt, and you're mm. like, "Well, who's going to read this book?" Um, you know, every author goes through that. So I've spoken to countless people who've been through that process, and you go, "Well, what's the point?" I'm like putting all, like all of myself onto these pages. No one's going to read it. Why am I even bothering? Um, and you've got to have faith that that you're putting out a good product and that you're doing a good mm. job. Uh, and that's what I always tell young journalists as well, is that you have to believe when you go on, on radio or on TV that you are the best possible person to be doing that interview right now. Mm. Otherwise, you you wouldn't be doing it. And that confidence translates um, when, you, when you're doing an interview or you're public speaking or... Um, you're presenting in front of people. A lot of it comes down to confidence. Totally. You know, the the one thing that that I think is absolutely um, paramount as well is that you need to have this ability to speak up. When you're sitting in a boardroom meeting, when you're sitting or you're am- amongst people, you need to ask the right questions or you need to have yourself heard. Because um, I, I was actually reading a book the well, other day. Well, you need day. to, it's, um, you need to lean in. You know, lean it's, in, it's, yes. Yeah, it's Take Sa- a seat at yeah, the table. Yeah, it's Cheryl uh, Sandberg. Yes. So, that is a name, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so you've got to, you have to lean in. You've got to take a seat at the table and you've got to, you know, you've got to stick up your hand. I mean, you see that at press conferences, you know, you, and that's what you're taught as a journalist, that a press conference is you always have to ask a question. That's something that, that Casey yes, Catapod has yes. taught me. You have to ask a question at a press conference. Um, and and that gives you that 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 self belief. Yeah, you know that's that you can be the best because you can always break through at that moment. Um, like if, I was reading this book where they were talking about um, people that sit down in in meeting rooms and just making notes the whole time. Sometimes 
um, hide behind the notes because they're not asking the questions and they don't want to have their voices heard. And I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I think we, we need to encourage mm. people to speak up. And I think that's kind of where um, I think in my in my personal journey, I used to be, believe it or not, I used to be very, very shy, hey? Really? Oh. Well, it's funny because I'm actually quite a shy person. Really? Yeah, like I'm also, no. like, I, I get very shy about, you know, going to ask somebody, like, not in an interview scenario. Yeah. But if I have to go into a store and go to ask, for something like I can get quite shy sometimes um, and that's why like it, it's almost this um, this front that you put on when you're doing an interview you know you've, you've, you go into work mode um, and then you don't think about the, the implications or the repercussions it's like you've got your your superhero outfit on Yes, Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, by the way, that is one of the most awesome movies I've ever watched. I'm not into this whole superhero thing, but that was for me like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That was so cool. But anyway, that's just me being a bit of a nerd, a bit, bit of a geek. Um, the one question I want to ask you is, uh, you know, your antenna is obviously always up and you're always thinking of the next thing. What are you tuned in to at the moment? Uh, so I'm trying to um, kind of just ride the wave of, of this book, but obviously I'm really starting to think about other projects um, as you put your snap scan glasses on and <laughs> stare at me. <laughs> um, I mean, I am trying to look at different projects and uh, I've also always been fascinated by podcasts and stuff. I'm mean, really interesting. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So that's, you know, the, the, the I'm exploring a possibility of doing a criminal podcast. Oh, you should. Um you think so? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> like, like you know, like you can go out there and go and discover um, some stories. Be always be in the know. Like, hear it first from Mandy Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that could be awesome. Thanks. <laughs> um, and then yeah, maybe some more books. We'll see. Yeah, and children's books. I always joke about that. Like after this book it was a bit rough, so I said I want to write a book about the underworld of um, of like garden gnomes versus fairies or something um you know different factions it must be interesting to have a mom that that writes you know it's 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 a listen i want to write a book one day and i can tell you that whoo my brain it almost wants to like go just goes like in a flat fart it's like weird a flat fart a flat fart like cool (laughs) (laughs) but 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 you know what for for me i think that it really it's not a it's not a short journey so it takes a lot of time of waking up in the morning well people think that it's this glamorous thing writing a book they don't realize that it's hours and hours stuck behind a computer it's very solitary there's lots of uh, investigation that goes into it and research and then the the editing process is grueling you go through it time and time again and you know it gets marked up by the editor and then you've got to rewrite oh <gasps> no it's hard it's, it's 12 months eh uh, it took me two years for this book did this book take you yeah. two years it to took write? me a lot longer, but it's like killing kibble took me three months to write so it depends you know on, that was on, your best selling book hey yeah yeah tell us about about that and the story behind it what inspired you to write the book um i don't know if i had any inspiration i was very young mm-hmm. and ambitious and i just thought i want to write a book because i've always loved books and i went to the publisher and i'd never written a thing in my life i'd written one magazine what? article and i managed to convince them to give me a book deal and they did and I didn't expect it to be as successful as it was. It was a it was a phenomenon, and I just I just got lucky. Like everything came. To, and I, I do believe you make your own luck, um, but everything just I, I was just 
uh, contemporaneous and the circumstances were right and the book industry was good at the time um, and it just worked you know it was the first in this kind of a genre mm. of that kind of narrative uh, non-fiction um, so yeah I mean it's I was just but everything yeah. in your career led to that moment I think that, that I think one thing that I'm noticing about you is you're always present like you're present, you're in the moment, you know what's happening in your surroundings. And I think also giving your best at all times brings this all together. Because I think if you, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, I was actually having a conversation with my husband and we were talking about, you know, how it's so weird. Like for me, I used to work, don't laugh. I used to clean cabins on a cruise ship. Wow. So you got to see the world. <laughs> I got to see the world. Yeah. Yay. And but I'm sure you also saw some horrendous things. Disgusting. And I, and I would love to know, like always, <laughs> what cleaners see in hotel rooms and in cabins. I was like awful. But I, I um, you know, I was a waiter, worked in banqueting, hospitality. I think I was in every single career that you can think of. And all of a sudden, it's just like how everything comes together. But the fact that I have managed to get where I am today is because no matter what I did, I gave my best. Yeah. And I think when you give your best in everything that you do, that's when it's, as you say, it's Absolutely. not luck, I mean, it's preparation. I see, I see young journalists in newsrooms today who don't want to do the hard craft. Yeah. They're not willing to do the long hours and jobs that they think are demeaning. They want to go straight, one-way ticket stardom. Um, so they're not willing to, to do the 10,000 hours. They're not willing to, to, you know, do those long days at a protest, um, you know, reporting on that. I mean, I spent days, weeks in Khutsung while they were protesting. I basically lived there. Um, you know, it wasn't glamorous at mm. all, but it had to be done. You know, I'd, I did all the awful stories, lots of child murders and all <gasps> sorts of things. Um, but as a result of all of that, I earned a reputation. Yeah. And you've got to do the hard work if you yeah. want to, you know, get known. How do you keep your cup full when you have all of this negative stories that you're reporting? Mm. How do you keep yourself like, I don't know, it can get listen as a down. journalist. As a journalist, you see the worst of it, but you also see the very best of of humanity um, in this country. That's for sure. You know, so there's always good news stories. Mm. Um, you're often reporting on on stories that reflect the best of humanity. So it kind of balances itself out eventually. Um, it all comes out in the wash, really. Okay, so in closing, if if you if you could um, give our audience advice. Um, how to to really, you know, propel their careers forward. What advice would you give them? Get a foot in the door, uh, and that's what I always tell tell journalists is that you know you have to do whatever it takes to just get your foot in the door. I mean, my first job was writing traffic bulletins no. for Harry Sideropoulos on the Rude Awakening, oh, wow. and I, I did that, for, that. I did that for six months. And I used to call screen overnight. So I'd go from 12 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the morning on a weekend and answer phones. So, you know, I didn't, my first job wasn't um, broadcasting live from Parliament for the State of the Nation. Yeah. It was, it was writing a traffic bulletin about a load of bricks that had been lost on the highway. You know, it's, so everybody you, you, starts from the bottom. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. We have a little tradition mm -hmm. because we want to see a little bit of a different side to you. I know you don't like talking about it's okay, yourself. It's okay, I can deal. <laughs> okay, we've got 60 seconds, 10 questions. You have to answer ready. as quickly Ooh. as possible. Okay, right. on your marks, get set, go. What is your favorite cheese? Um, Emmentaler. Ooh, if you could ask Alexa anything about yourself, what would it be? Who? Alexa. Oh, that's that 
um, yes, voice assistant. Oh no, like Siri. Yeah. Um. Uh. What? Skip, how, skip, many, skip, how, skip. Many, how many hours have I been awake? <laughs> if you could be a rebel for a cause, what cause would it be? Um. Free ice creams on Wednesdays. What are you most likely to become famous for? Uh. Writing books. If the if Google was unplugged hard, for yeah. a week, what would you do? If Google was unplugged for a week, yeah. go to the library. Oh, are you the most likely to become? What are you most likely to be famous for, except for writing a book? Um. Oh my goodness, this is so difficult. Um. Um. Raising amazing children. Oh, we've got. Ah, oh, you've you've got five questions. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me just. Wait. Oh no, you've got six questions, but we've got four left, so I'm still going to ask them. Mm, okay. <laughs> well done. Tough, eh? I it's know really, it is tough. Really it tough. is tough, especially when you hear the tick in your ear. It's like tick, tick, yeah, tick. Yeah. Okay. So, if you could sing one song on X Factor, what would it be? Uh, Tom Petty, Free Falling. Oh wow, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, what is your sign and why? My sign. Yeah, like star sign. No. Oh. If you see something like a feather drop, or you see something go by and go, that's a sign. Do you have something like no, that? No, that's such bullshit. Of course not. You, you're a journalist. That's such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite season? Summer. Okay. Spring actually. Probably spring. Spring. Yeah. How many times do you? type something in google a day um tons okay a fortune <laughs> all right well mandy thank you so much for for being here and and thank you for being such a courageous woman and and i really look up to you and i think the work that you're doing i've started reading your book i haven't managed to finish it because it's quite it's so full of information that i need to digest it but i'm loving it and i highly recommend our audience to go out get the book um and and share your your have a can we have online debates about some of these topics ministry of crime hashtag ministry of crime and let's have some live debates about some of these conversations and if you have questions for manny i'm sure that you would love to answer them and then don't forget to tune in next week same time same place thank you very much guys i have an itchy (laughs) 